and welcome to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. Be sure to listen all the way through to the end of the episode for additional info on where to find more resources for past sermons, as well as how to watch us live each Sunday if you can't join us in person at our Columbus, Ohio location. Let's prepare to hear this week's sermon and listen for what God is saying to you and what he wants to do in your life. Well, uh, the, the long-running uh, cartoon strip, uh, Family Circus, um, once had one of the little boys in the family sending a Christmas card to his grandmother. And uh, he says confidently, I know Grandma likes only religious cards, so I'm sending her this one with St. Nick on it. Perhaps um, you and I are a little bit like that boy. How so? Well, we can take great pains to celebrate all the secular parts of Christmas. You know, the gift buying, the tree decorating, the party going, and even, even the card sending. But spend far too little time and far too little energy participating and preparing for the spiritual parts of Christmas and It's the spiritual parts that matter the most, aren't they? Well, this Advent season, we're reflecting on four poems or songs in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Luke. And we're calling them the Canticles of the Christ Child. And um, these four poems or songs were probably set to music, probably sung by by some of the first Christians as part of their worship experience. And and sometime much later, a Latin title was attached to each of these poems. And and last week, we looked at the Magnificat, which was Mary's song, Mary the Mother of Jesus. And today, we're going to consider what's called the Benedictus, which means uh, blessed in Latin. Next week, we're going to consider the Gloria in Excelsis, which is what the angels said to the shepherds on the night of Jesus' birth. And then on the Sunday before Christmas Day, I want us to reflect on what's called the Nunc Dimittis, which is attributed to Simeon, the old man that uh, went frequently to the temple. And... uh, So today we're looking at the Benedictus, and it is attributed to a man named Zachariah. And I want us just to read the Benedictus now, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Zachariah and his story. So if you would, grab your Bible in whatever form you have it today, and I want you to turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to uh, begin reading at verse 68. And we're going to read through verse 79. So Luke chapter 1 and verse 68 is where I'm going to start reading. You follow along in your Bible. Here we go. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. By the way, that word kind of means it symbolizes a king who is strong and mighty. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant 
the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Verse 76, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And while you have your Bible open, look at just verse 78 again. Because of the tender mercy of our God. I love that phrase. Because of the tender mercy of our God. Jesus coming into this dark, hurting world was the supreme revelation of God's tender mercy. The Son of God took on a human body, lived right here on earth for some 33 years, experienced fully all of what it meant to be human, except he never committed even one sin. And despite being the only person who has ever been morally perfect, he reached out to sinful people with compassion and forgiveness and even more significant than that, he laid down his life for our sins, making it possible for you and me to enter then into a personal and eternal relationship with his father who has now become our father. So that phrase, Zachariah's phrase there, God's tender mercy, it sums it up pretty well. You know, mercy is a great word all by itself, but when you, when you add that adjective, tender, tender mercy. We're, we're given a picture of God there that is very important to understand. I mean, the actual word in the Greek language refers to the, the inner parts of a person. You know, the, the, those places of deep emotion um, that's, that's heartfelt. And it's just a reminder that God is not aloof. He's not remote. He's not some sort of glorified supercomputer. Instead, God, God is a person capable of the deepest emotions and the most profound tenderness because of the tender mercy of our God. God is a person capable of, of the, that kind of, of feeling. And so Zechariah's song, the Benedictus, is a celebration of how God has expressed his tender mercy to, to you, to me, to everyone. So here's, here's one truth that I want us to dwell on and reflect on today. God's tender mercy is expressed in and by his faithfulness. Faithfulness. Well, let's go back and talk about Zechariah a little bit. Who, who was he? Well, his story was told earlier uh, than what we read there in Luke 1, and I'll just summarize it for us today. Uh, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. And uh, while he was taking his turn serving in the temple in Jerusalem, an angel appeared to him. And uh, Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, had never been able to have children. And the angel informed Zechariah that God was going to do a miracle in and for them. And even though, even though Elizabeth was now too old 
to get pregnant, God was going to make it possible for her to conceive and, and to have a son. And that's exactly what happened, much to Zachariah and Elizabeth's surprise and joy. And their son grew up to become none other than John the Baptist, the prophet who prepared the way for Jesus, spiritually speaking, through his powerful preaching and his baptizing of people. Now, as the story goes, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. And um, Mary apparently even came to live with Zachariah and Elizabeth during part of her pregnancy with Jesus. And so as the story goes, Elizabeth gave birth first, and Zechariah, his song, the Benedictus, uh, was a kind of a response to all of these incredible, mysterious, and miraculous things that were happening to them as well as to Mary. And so the Holy Spirit gave uh, Zechariah supernatural insight into the significance of his own son's life and ministry, John the Baptist, and also into the life and ministry of Mary's son, Jesus. So Zechariah understood that Jesus was going to be the promised Messiah, the Savior of the Jewish people, and he acknowledged that God was demonstrating his remarkable and absolute faithfulness by sending Jesus into the world. And um, in the song that we read just a couple of moments ago, he traced God's faithfulness to the Jewish people. I mean, he mentioned David in verse 69. Why? Because God had promised David, Israel's greatest king, about a thousand years earlier, that the Messiah would be a descendant from David's family. And then Zechariah also referred to Abraham in verse 73, the father of the Jewish people, because, why? Because God had promised Abraham about 2,000 years earlier that, that all the nations would be blessed through his physical offspring. And so what Zechariah saw was this, that what was happening in and to Mary was the fulfillment of God's promises, and it proved God's faithfulness beyond any shadow of a doubt. It proved that God is trustworthy, reliable, that he keeps his promises. You know, the Bible celebrates God's faithfulness over and over and over again. Um, it's, one of the, it's one of his greatest character traits. Here's a, a scripture from Deuteronomy. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. The psalmist celebrated God's faithfulness. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. And the Bible also says over in the New Testament, God will do this for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Faithfulness, major character trait of the God that we love and serve. God keeps his promises. 
God doesn't forget his people. God does what he says he will do. And here's the greater truth that we should find encouraging today and at all times. What's that? If, folks, if God is faithful in all the big things, like sending Jesus into the world as he promised to do, he can be trusted to be faithful in the small things that pertain to your life and to my life as well. So what happened to to Zachariah and Elizabeth. Well, it's a wonderful story, and it really underlines God's faithfulness to you and me on a personal level. As I mentioned, these two were unable to have children. And in that day and in that age, children were considered God's supreme blessing. You know, our culture doesn't always view children the same way. It, it can see children as an inconvenience or even a liability witnessed by abortion, child abuse, and and the fact that some some kids um, in our culture suffer neglect. And even though the people of that day and time were right to see children as a, a great blessing from God, they came to an unfortunate conclusion about the absence of kids. They assumed wrongly that infertility was God's punishment or judgment on a couple. And so a couple without children was thought to have displeased God in some way. And and I can only imagine that Zachariah and Elizabeth had endured some painful and humiliating gossip over the years, you know, kind of behind the scenes, but nevertheless there. Well, 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 why can't she get pregnant? What, what did they do to offend God? God must be punishing them for some great sin. But God had a greater purpose for those two behind their heartache. God turned their deep disgrace into a profound blessing. He turned their misfortune into a miracle. He, he enabled Elizabeth to conceive at an age when it would have been humanly impossible to do so. And in addition, the child that she carried was to play a very important role in the ministry of the Savior of the world, his distant cousin, Jesus. Now, folks, this story ought to make you and me very glad. Why? God is always faithful to his people. Always. And it's true, your, your, your life today may be full of a heartache or a disappointment. It happens uh, during the Christmas season like any other time. And sometimes when it's at Christmas, it feels worse because we're all supposed to be happy, happy, happy. And sometimes we're not, right? And this is a reminder to us that don't, don't let the negatives that may be going on in your life make you think that, that God is absent or that he's forgotten about you. Tough times, even great heartaches are no evidence that God has abandoned you or that he's punishing you or that he's forgotten about you. The last chapter of God's work in your life and my life hadn't been written yet. Okay, so hold on to the precious truth that God is and will always be faithful. He has this tender, this merciful heart 
that overflows with, with compassion toward you and to me and to everybody. And, and like Zachariah and Elizabeth, God has a plan and a purpose for your life, even when you can't understand what he's doing or why he allows these difficult things to come uh, into your life. In fact, it's, it's when we go through those hard times in life often while holding, that that's when we find that we can hold on to God even tighter by faith. And God proves his great faithfulness to us as never before. Story reveals something else to me. Consider how Zachariah and Elizabeth responded to their disappointment. I mean, they must have wondered why they were childless. Maybe they wondered if, if God was punishing them for some unknown sin that they'd committed. I mean, that's kind of what everybody thought. I imagine that they wept and they cried out to God. Never, nevertheless, there, there, there's no sign of bitterness towards God despite their heartache. Now, it's true. It's true that Zechariah had a problem believing that God was going to do a miracle. Um, at first, he scoffed at the angel's message of Elizabeth getting pregnant at her age. Remember, and he, he, the angel struck him dumb for the period of her pregnancy. Remember that? But is, is that really so surprising? Is that really so terrible? No, I, I see two people Zachariah and Elizabeth, who continued to love and to serve the Lord the best way they knew how, despite the fact that they were childless. And God honored their simple faith and their trust in him regardless. You know, when, when I think of this couple, this verse comes to, to mind from the book of Hebrews. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Sometimes we just have to hold on to God until he does something that we don't expect. So in the Benedictus, Zacharias said this, We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. God never wants you or me to serve him because we're afraid that we're going to get it from God if we don't. God certainly wants you and me to keep trusting him despite the presence of those things in our lives that we don't like, that we don't understand, that are painful. And God does want us to learn the importance and the value of trusting him day after day after day, month after month, year after year, without getting all sour and angry and bitter toward him because he doesn't do it in the time frame that we want. Don't ever quit on God. Don't ever do that. You know, some years ago, there was a, a promising young athlete who was favored to win the one-mile race at a high school uh, track meet, and he was expected to set a new record in the mile. And in that same race, there was another runner from another school who was a last-minute substitute for a teammate who had become ill. And the coach said to this sub, Son, I don't expect you to win I do expect you to finish. I don't expect you to win. I do expect you to finish. Well, the favored runner from the other school, the star, he, he won the mile run easily as expected. The sub from the other school came in distant last. I mean, he was so last that they, they had to delay the start of the next event so he could cross the finish line. That's late. 
And, and when he finally got to the end of the race, he was so exhausted, he just fell over like a tree that had been cut down. And his face got all bloody and scratched from, from you know, hitting the ground. And a track official ran over and, uh, to see if he was all right. And he asked the sub, he said, look, why didn't, why didn't you just drop out when you saw that you were going to lose? And gasping for air, this, this young substitute runner said, our best runner was sick. Coach told me to run in his place. I know, I know, said the track official, but why didn't you just quit? And the young man replied, Coach didn't tell me to quit. He told me to finish. That's what I did. You, are, you and I are called to finish this race that God has called us to run in this life. Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't quit, did they? They didn't quit. They believed God was faithful despite carrying around for many years this, this huge ache in their hearts, despite feeling humiliated and disgraced. They, they just kept on living for God steadily. And at the end of the day, their trust in God was vindicated. God blessed them in a miraculous, a wonderful way, made them the envy of everyone who knew them, so I, I don't know what heartache or disappointment that you might be facing this Christmas season. Here's what I do know. I know God is faithful. I know God is faithful. And he has a heart full of tender mercy toward you and me and everyone. And because he is faithful, he will strengthen you to keep on being faithful to him so keep on trusting him. God is going to have the last word in your life and my life. Now, here's a second great truth that emerges for me uh, from the Benedictus about God's tender mercy. God's tender mercy is expressed in and by his forgiveness. Faithfulness was one way, but his forgiveness is a second way. The Holy Spirit allowed Zechariah to understand something of the very special role that his son, John the Baptist, was to have in regard to Jesus. Look what he says there in, in uh, the Benedictus. Um, he says, And you, my little son, talking about John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. And so we know that John prepared the way for Jesus by preaching about the need to repent. He helped to create this deep desire uh, in the Jewish people for, uh, for fellowship with God, to have that restored. And, and John helped to plant an intense hunger for forgiveness, which prepared the way for Jesus and his ministry. You know, th this world didn't really know what God was like until Jesus came. M many saw God as an austere, remote, angry, supreme being, but when Jesus came, he revealed what God is truly and fully like, and the greatest revelation of all was the fact that God is love. People didn't really understand or know that until Jesus came. And his heart is filled with what can only be described as tender mercy toward you and to me.
And yet sometimes, sometimes even now, we find a God of love too hard to believe in. I'm reminded of a businessman who found out an elderly widow that he knew personally was unable to, to pay her rent. And he felt great compassion for this woman, so much so that he went to some of his friends and asked if they would contribute something um, to, to help her out, help her pay her rent. And they responded generously, and he collected the equivalent of two months' rent for this woman. And then he went to her home to deliver the money, and he, he knew that she was inside the house, but when he knocked, um, he, he couldn't, wouldn't get any answer. He knocked twice, three times, even four times, but the, wouldn't, the woman wouldn't come to the door. And so he left. And a couple of days later, he saw this, uh, this uh, widow. He was trying to help downtown, and she looked so pathetic and so destitute. And he walked up to her and he said, Ma'am, some, some friends of mine and I found out about your situation, and we, we, we want to help you. And we got some money together to give you rent money for, uh, for two months. And I, I came to your home to, to give it to you earlier this week. I, I knocked several times, but I, I, I got no answer. And the woman kind of gasped, and she put a hand up to her face, and she said, Oh, I thought you were the landlord. I thought you were there to evict me. And folks, the point of the story is this. Many, many times we think that that's what God is like, that when he knocks on the door of your life, that he's there to judge you or to punish you. No, God wants to forgive us and shower our lives with his tender mercies. God is all about forgiveness if we will repent and receive his grace and his love. You know, uh, Zechariah touches on a familiar Bible metaphor in this canticle, this song, this poem that he composed. And that metaphor is darkness and light. He said there in verses 78 and 79, because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. You probably already know that in the Bible, darkness symbolizes sin, death, separation from God. And, and light is symbolic of what? A forgiveness of life, a fellowship with God. And every one of us has been, been touched by the darkness that Zechariah alluded to in those verses. We, we live in a sinful, we live in a, in, in a broken world, and, and we've been affected by people who've sinned against us. And we've sinned against God and other people as well. So what can be done for us? We who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, as Zechariah described it here. Well, we can turn our faces toward the morning light from heaven who is about to break upon us. And that was a reference to Jesus, who he was and what he would accomplish. Jesus, the light of the world. Jesus later on said of himself, what? I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus knew he was the fulfillment of what Zechariah was talking about there. You know, that's a, as I was thinking about it, that's a great image. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. I mean, you know that light can be manifested in many ways, right? 
I mean, Zechariah could have said that Jesus was like a bolt of lightning, you know, frightening, intimidating in its power. Or he could have, he could have compared Jesus to a candle, safe, warm, but limited. Instead, he, he said that Jesus, the light of Jesus was like the rising sun at dawn, the morning light. Um, I wonder, have you ever been outside when the sun is just coming up? Perhaps out in the woods or, or walking along a beach? It's amazing to see how, how the light of the sun as it comes up touches everything and it just just pushes out the darkness and eliminates it with his presence. It's not a frightening light like a lightning bolt, and it's not a limited light like a candle either. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus is like that. He's bigger. He's more awesome. He's, he, he's more wonderful than any of us can, can possibly imagine. He's, he's like the morning light, the, the, the rising sun at dawn. He comes to us gently and tenderly, but also powerfully and relentlessly. You see, you, you, can't, you can't ever really stop the sun from rising, can you? You can't do that. Uh, the morning light will shine, and, and nothing and no one can stop the coming of Jesus. I mean, he's just as relentless and unstoppable as the rising sun. And, and when he comes into our lives for the first time or for the 1,000th time, uh, the light of his presence changes everything. I mean, Jesus is relentless. He's unstoppable. And each and every day, we can turn our backs on the darkness of this world and the shadow of death, and instead we can turn toward the morning light, the rising sun of God's faithfulness and God's forgiveness and receive his tender mercies. True story. There was a little girl who shoplifted a book at a church's bookstore. And she got caught. And um, her parents decided that what was appropriate in the situation was for her to go and confess and apologize to one of the pastors at the church where they attended. So Monday morning, parents and this little eight-year-old girl trooped solemnly into the pastor's office and had a seat. And the pastor looked at this little girl and he said, can you tell me what happened? And she said, well, I, I was in the bookstore and I saw this book that I wanted and I didn't have any money. And, you know, she began to sniffle and the tears began to fall down her cheeks and the pastor got a Kleenex and handed it to her. And she continued, and she said, so, so I, I just took it. She said, I, I, I knew it was wrong, but I, I did it anyway. And uh, I'm really sorry that I did it. It'll never happen again, honest. 
So the pastor heard this, and he, um, he said to her, well, um, I, I really appreciate you coming and telling me what you did, and I'm glad that you're really sorry for what you did. That's a brave thing to do. It's also the right thing to do. <laughs> then he continued, he said, he said what, what do you think would be an appropriate punishment for what you've done? And she just kind of shrugged. I mean, she hadn't gotten that far <laughs> thinking about it. And um, he said, well, he said, I understand that the book that you stole cost $5. So here's what I think. I, I think that you need to pay the bookstore $5 for the book, and then I think you need to add three times that amount as kind of a punishment for what you've done. So the total would be $20. How do you feel about that? Well, she she nodded, and she could she could see the fairness of that. But but now the look on her face was was one of fear, <laughs> because uh, there's not many eight year olds that have access to twenty dollars. Where on earth was she going to get this massive amount of money, twenty dollars, to to pay the bookstore? Well, that's when the pastor, he's sitting at his desk, he opened the drawer of his, of his desk and he pulled out his personal checkbook, opened it, wrote out a check for $20 to the bookstore, and he gave it to the little girl. And he said, I'm going to pay your debt. Do you know why I would do that? And the little girl was, you know, her mouth was just kind of hanging open. No, she had no idea why he was doing this. He said, because I love you. Because I care about you. Because you're valuable to me. And I want you to remember something else. Jesus feels that way about you too. But even more. And I wish you could have seen that little girl's face because it was filled and covered with wonder and relief and, and with joy because she'd been forgiven. Forgiven. tuning in to the Carl Road Baptist Church podcast. We hope you found something that can be applied to your life today and into the future. You can always watch our past services or see them live on YouTube, Facebook, and our website at www.carlroadbaptist.org. That's Carl with a K-A-R-L, roadbaptist.org. If you search YouTube or Facebook, look for Call Road Baptist Church, and don't forget to subscribe or follow us if you are watching via a service that allows that so you can stay up to date and notified when another episode is ready for you to watch or listen to. Thanks again for sharing your time with us and putting in the effort to maintain your relationship with God. Have a fantastic week, and we look forward to growing alongside you in the future with the next episode of the KRBC Podcast.